is a podcast from Concern Worldwide, bringing you stories from some of the 25 countries we work in as humanitarians, the challenges communities are facing, some of the solutions and other bits in between. To find out more about Concern, visit concern.net. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Pod Worldwide. In this episode, Concerns First Youth Climate Ambassador Jenny Salmon tells me what young people have been telling her about the actions they want. We hear from Turkey, six months on from the devastating earthquakes. These are cities with high-rise buildings like Dublin or Cork and they should be thriving and in some areas they are but then you turn a corner and you can't go down a road because it's blocked because a building has collapsed. That devastation is just everywhere. We find out how crayons are helping children cope in the aftermath of the earthquakes. When we ask them to draw, they do a lot of things and we can understand instead of their words what they want. And Shamus Highland from Irish folk group The Merry Wallopers takes on our How Much Do You Know quiz. Do you know how many um, countries Concern works in? 120. You give us a lot of credit. We work in 25. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be difficult. I'm your host, Eilish Staunton. We start with Jenny Salmon, Concern's first youth climate ambassador. Heading into her final year of law in Trinity, Jenny finished her ambassador role with Concern at the end of May and is now Ireland's climate youth delegate for the 2023 to 2024 term. She was at COP27 in Egypt for Concern last year and took climate action messages collected from Irish people to the environmental summit. Hello, Jenny. Salmon, welcome. Hi. For people who might know, will you just explain a little bit about yourself, who you are and your year role with Concern? This year I was Concern's first ever Youth Climate Ambassador. So um, what that role kind of meant was kind of we did a couple of stakeholder events and things, gathering messages from young people in Ireland to bring to COP27 and got to have meetings with a lot of policymakers and do loads of kind of interviews with really cool people who were at COP and lots of people who were experiencing climate effects firsthand. So um, it was an incredible role. Like I, I was I was so sad when it was all wrapping up because it was honestly such a great experience and I really am not an expert about climate and I don't know everything that there is to know and but concerned honestly after all the training that they did and like going to COP and meeting with all the people that I got to talk to in like project countries and all that stuff I, I really do feel like I like know so much more than when I started so my whole thing when I started was that I'm not an expert but I guess concerns made me one now <laughs> and um what do you think you brought to the role of concerning time as youth ambassador don't be modest now because you know you were chosen to do it the very first one which wasn't easy either to be the first person because there's no blueprint for it like you don't know what's to come like not even trying to be modest but I really don't think I brought very much to the role in terms of like climate and in, like the environment is something I've always been interested in from school like I helped set up the green schools system in our school and um, because we didn't have green schools didn't have recycling bins even so from fourth year to sixth year like myself and a couple of my friends our big fight was trying to get recycling bins and I'm sure people like from my school probably would remember me as like a staunch environmentalist because we used to go into the classrooms and take the refuse bins out of every classroom and tell tell people that they had to bring it home and only recycle in school so <laughs> I did always have that <laughs> that environmental background I suppose uh, for like I, I'm not really sure like like my reasoning for being interested in the environment was just because I was kind of like oh like it's a social issue it's important but then from working with concern I definitely saw the humanitarian side of it so obviously the like cost of climate issues on people and I think that's probably 
something that I, I definitely learned from doing that going into it I wouldn't have had and then in terms of what else I brought to the role um bad jokes to, like to the girls during cop maybe <laughs> so on that um you know you went around Ireland a lot listening to younger people tell you what they wanted from cop and what they want in terms of climate action and then when you were at cop you met a lot of climate activists from around the world what have young people been telling you what is what is it they want to see governments do? Yeah, so I, I'd say the main frustration is a feeling that not everything is being done in time, because obviously, like twenty thirty is when the Paris Agreement is set out to you know have the goals achieved by, but we're nowhere near one point five degrees at all. Like you know, you ha- we have to reduce emissions by forty eight percent to even come close to like getting near one point five degrees of warming only, and like how are we going to do that with the way that things are now? So. You know, a lot of people feel quite hopeless about it. And I think in terms of the difference between Irish like activists and um, international activists, I don't think there is that big one, except like, you know, everyone's fighting for the same cause. But in Ireland, of course, it is a privilege for us to be advocating for climate and getting involved in climate activism, because for us, we're not directly experiencing climate effects right now. So, you know, I think there is that kind of difference of, people who are being directly affected right now like I remember one of the girls who was speaking at COP was like you know it's not a privilege for me to be here I have to be here because I'm about to lose my land and like I'll have to move and all this kind of stuff so I think yeah that's probably the key difference is that like for us it's a privilege to be able to have the capacity to amplify voices of others and to be weighing in on the conversation but um, you know really like we're not being directly affected. So there's Mm -hmm. a new concern youth climate ambassador have you any advice for them? Uh, I think um, just throw yourself in the deep end and like the the more you get involved with it, the better. And the people in concern are amazing for, you know, teaching you everything you need to know to be able to do the role as best you can. So I think just embrace it. And yeah, like it's it's congratulations. It's it's so lucky. It's, it's such a great thing to do. So yeah, I'll, I'll be delighted to meet whoever's next. Thanks to Jenny for her time, and we'll be hearing from Concern's new climate ambassador in future episodes. At the time of recording this podcast in August, it's been just over six months since catastrophic earthquakes hit parts of Turkey and northwest Syria. In the early hours of the 6th of February, an area the size of Ireland was shook by an earthquake measuring over 7.5 magnitude, with a second, almost equally as strong earthquake hitting hours later. The largest earthquakes to hit Turkey and northwest Syria in 100 years. Concerns Cathy Armstrong has recently returned from the areas affected in Turkey and details how people are recovering. I don't think I've ever actually experienced my jaw drop in real life before, but the devastation that the earthquakes caused is almost too hard to describe. It's massive destruction across an area the size of the island of Ireland. I visited Urfa, Adyaman and Malatya. So these are three of the 11 regions that were hit by earthquakes in Turkey. These are cities with high rise buildings like Dublin or Cork, and they should be thriving. And in some areas they are, but then you turn a corner and you can't go down a road because there's just huge piles of rubble and it's blocked because a building has collapsed. That devastation is just everywhere. You hear in the news that over 50,000 people have died and million more were affected. But it's not until you get there that you realise just how much everyone has lost. Most tragically, of course, people have lost family members and friends, but they've also lost their homes, their jobs, their businesses, entire neighbourhoods or communities. Children have lost their schools and everyone is distressed. 
there are still some aftershocks. You can feel them every so often and they wouldn't be super strong, but they are there and you can feel them. And there's just a fear that any of the buildings that have been deemed unsafe could collapse. And this just adds to the stress and the anxiety that people are feeling. For a 13-year-old mine from a really remote village outside Adiaman, the last few months have been very difficult. My life changed after the earthquake. I lost my uncle and my house collapsed. This time has been very challenging for us and we are trying to support each other. The village lost a few houses. My brother is living in Malatya and he lost his house too. We are still living in the tent and it's very challenging. I met mine when she was attending one of Concern's psychosocial support sessions. This is a session which uses playing and learning to help children to express their emotions in a healthy way. Supporting people who experience distress can come in many different forms. Asuka is Concern's area manager in Adiaman, and she describes that getting items out to people, especially in these remote areas, is not just about the material goods. When we go to the field, especially in the village, they are said we suppose that the people forgot us, but you are here and you, you are distributing something, so it's very meaningful. That's why actually this is a kind of psychosocial support because we are saying we are here and we are listening to you, what's the, your needs, uh, what's going on, etc. Concerns mission is that we go to the hardest to reach places to make sure no one is left behind. And to me, my colleagues in Turkey are this definition to its core. In the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, they traveled for hours and hours through the windiest roads, through mountains to reach these villages that were just further away. They got to these two villages that no one else could reach. It took them several attempts because the roads were just so bad. They were literally on the edge of a cliff. It was freezing and they persevered because they knew if they didn't, nobody else would. It's six months on from the earthquake and some people have moved into prefabs or converted containers, but there's still a huge number of people living in tents. In the immediate aftermath of the earthquakes in February, essentials such as blankets and heaters and duvets were needed because it was freezing. But now there's a summer heat wave and it's stiflingly hot in these tents and containers. At the moment, people need electric fans and sunshades to provide some shelter, but the winter is coming and the focus is switching back to getting winter items out to people. A colleague told me that his warehouse is never full because as soon as a huge lorry full of goods comes in and drops off the supplies, it's pretty much straight out onto other vehicles and to the people who need it the most. The needs are huge in Turkey still. It's difficult to say how the next few months and years will pan out, but it's estimated that it'll take five years just for the tens of thousands of unsafe buildings to be knocked down. And how long it'll take after that for those buildings to be rebuilt is impossible to know. What I would say, though, is that by providing support through sending supplies, talking and listening to people and offering psychosocial support, the people affected by these earthquakes know that they haven't been forgotten. Concerns Kathy Armstrong. Time now for items I can't do my job without, where we hear from concerned colleagues around the world on what object, big and small, is essential to their job. 
We're staying in Turkey to speak to Walid Bozo, a psychosocial support officer with concern in San Liurfa, one of the regions impacted by February's earthquakes. Walid, along with his concerned colleagues, travels the area providing psychological and social support sessions to children and families. He told me about one of the items that's always in his bag. I'm joined by Walid. You're here to tell me what item is essential to your job or is incredibly helpful to your job. What is that item? We have a lot of items. One of it is crayons. Okay, crayons. And why are they so useful? For the children, the coloring with the crayons, it is a motor skill that builds their other skills. And when the child color, he improves, for example, his endurance, uh, hand strength and uh, eye-hand coordination. And also, this is uh, the benefit of crayons, help the children to be creative. And also, for his imagination, he can imagine, maybe he uh, has uh, ambition or dream. So you will see it reflect on the drawing by using the colors. We're talking about this in terms of helping children who have gone through something that's a stressful situation, like, for example, an earthquake. How do those tools help with that? Usually when we ask the children to do what they feel, for example, today, or what they fear, so this is help us also to see what he's in his mind, what the most things he has fearing from it. So when he's doing, we know. And if he need, for example, to be referred to another specialist, we will refer them. Through his dog, we see what happened with him, his emotion, everything. Because I guess sometimes at a young age, children don't have the words to express that. Yes, because most of the children, especially between the age five to seven, they cannot speak very well. If they will answer, they will answer yes or no. But when we ask them to draw, they do a lot of things. And we can understand instead of their words, what they want. Every psychosocial support session is different. But could you just describe maybe an, a, the most typical one so people understand what it might involve? For this support project, we have, for example, four sessions. So the first one, it was about the earthquake. This, uh, sometimes when we start, the pupil effect, and they start to tell us their stress and their bad stories about the earthquake. The aim, it is like to create safe space, to feel we are here to support you, to listen to you. So feel free, do what you want. Speak. All of us will listen to you. No judgment. So in the first session, when we do like this, the next session, the people, they came with enthusiasm to participate. So I, I think after the session, they feel calm. It lies something behind in their head, on their mind. And after the session, it's gone. And the important thing is the respect. When we have the session, we should respect children, adults, anyone. I imagine a lot at the moment is talking about in the aftermath of the earthquakes. What are the worries and the fears that children have? In the first time we feel like they feel fear. They look on themselves. And if they hear any voice, anything, hi, they get like ready for something. And some of them we, we saw like they start to be alone, especially after the earthquake. So our aim to just reintegrate them again, create a new link, a new relationship with the others. So this is make them start a new life. Maybe we try our best to 
let them come back to their normal life. But I think life has changed after earthquake. week. At least just push them to continue their life in the right way. Especially for the children, most of things, it's like they're fearing and be alone. They don't have any friends and because some of them, they lost everything. So. so they lost their friends or they had to move away from where their friends were or... Their family, their school. Okay, that's, that's pretty awful. Are there any other issues that children are dealing with? Because you mentioned some of them have moved, having to leave their homes, you know, moving a number of times and now experiencing an earthquake. I believe that for the children, it is easy to deal with the new things, not like the adults, because still we have memories, we have need time to forget it. But for the children, I think they move to another place or another area and they start to create a new relationship, new friends. This is help them to build their skills and their confidence quickly, more than their parents. Thanks to Walid for speaking to us. On our website, you can find a blog on the psychological impacts of the earthquakes and read some of what people have to deal with mentally. Just go to concern.net forward slash news. Finally, we come to our How Much Do You Know quiz, where we test the knowledge of Irish celebrities, activists, influencers and interesting folks to know how much they know about the country's concern works in. Shamus Highland, musician, accordion player and member of Irish folk group Mary Wallopers, came into the concern offices for a cup of tea and to have a chat with Concern's own Hugh Golden. We're joined today by Shamus Highland. How are you getting on? Whose list of accomplishments are long. <laughs> Accordion player? Accordion player. Singer? Oscar Teacher? Educator of youth? Yes. And also, I know that you play with the Mary Wallopers. Yeah. And you've been touring it. Touring. Big style. Flat out. What's <laughs> the biggest gigs you played this year? Probably it was Glastonbury there a couple of weeks ago. That was class. Yeah. Um, my Did first time at Glastonbury and we had three gigs in the one day on the Friday. But we're there for the whole weekend, so it's just an unbelievable festival. Like, But aside from Mary Wallopers, you're recording an album or have recorded an album. I am, yeah. I'm still working on it at the moment. It's, well, it's basically finished, just in the final stages of... It's like mainly traditional music on the accordion and then some like more contemporary experimental tracks. Like, Great. Now, I did some background research on you. Oh, yeah. yeah kind of, my sources kind of be. Did named. you have a team or? It's definitely a great right Georgia. And I asked her who your musical hero was and who your otherwise hero was. And for musical, she said Brendan Beggy. Was she correct? I. That's actually a great, great answer. I think. Yeah. The accordion is my instrument, and I probably started playing when I was eight. I suppose when I kind of started getting my own style and things. Brendan Begley definitely was a big influence and his kind of style of polka playing, slides playing. And for non-musical hero is Dervila Murphy. Who's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know Dervila Murphy, she's an Irish woman who I think calling her a travel writer undersells her. <laughs> she's like an adventurer and like a social anthropologist basically and she just travels the world on her bike or on a mule yeah. and just has an incredible ability just to connect with people. 
Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. And what got you into Derby? What was your first thing you read for her? I think in the middle of potentially the lockdown, the first kind of winter of it, we had a few Derby Murphy books at home in Waterford, and I first one I read was the Ethiopia on a Mule, which was just fantastic, and also like being in that world of like a hot Ethiopia in the middle of an Irish winter, like it was just such an escape, especially when you couldn't leave your radius or whatever. She's had an amazing life of traveling all over the world, but just her feats of endurance and bravery and exploration and like sincerity and like how she views like social situations and like societal issues and how she's able to translate them as well to the onto page is unreal. Absolutely. I think we should do the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> the theme obviously is music. Obviously, okay. You're a great. musician. <laughs> Not just a musician, but it's a major part of what you are. You have one minute to answer as many multiple choice questions. <laughs> no. Centered on the countries Concern works in. Do you know how many um, countries Concern works in? A hundred and twenty. You give us a lot of credit. We work in twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be difficult. Ready? Yeah. Zokila is an influential musical group who created the style of African music of the same name. Where are they from? A. Central African Republic. B. Chad. Or C. Burundi. Um, Burundi. The correct answer was Car, Central African Republic. <laughs> Sorry, it's rude. <laughs> Ukraine won the 2022 Eurovision Song Contest, bringing their total wins to A. 2. B. 3. C. 5. <gasps> Um, two, three. Don't forget one, right? The rhubarb is considered a national instrument of A. Iran, B. Iraq, C. Afghanistan. I have no idea. Uh, go with C. Nailed it! Amazing! Yes. You are a musician. The rhubarb is <laughs> a lute-like stringed instrument. The Grammy Award-winning artist Abel Tusfay now known as The Weeknd, uh, was born in Canada, but his parents are from A, Burkina Faso, B, Ethiopia, or C, Malawi. Burkina Faso. It's Ethiopia. Patari in Pakistan is A, a music streaming service, B, a type of instrument, or C, a dance. I'd go with a dance. It's a, a music streaming service. Really? Yeah. I got five questions which mostly took too long because I spent too long asking them and you got one right. That is a fifth. Thank you so much for your participation. <laughs> There's a lot, plenty of room to improve there, I think. Thank you very much, Hugh. I really, really was very enjoyable. It. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks a million to Shamus for taking the time to come chat to Hugh, who, I'm reliably informed, makes a fantastic cup of tea. And we'd like to hear from you, our listeners, on who you'd like to take part in the How Much Do You Know quiz. You can email us at podworldwide at concern.net or you can send a message or voice note via WhatsApp to an Irish number 085-872-0720. If you're under 18, don't forget to CC in your guardian if emailing or message from their phone, once you have their permission, of course. And that's it for this episode of Pod Worldwide. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to it. We'll be doing it all again next month. 
Don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and please share. Until then, thanks to all our guests for joining us and all the production team.